Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. I'm going to take my text from John chapter 5, and uh, you can turn there. Uh, I imagine eventually I'll, I'll get to that. I had an interesting week thus far. How about you? And um, one of the things that happened this week, now they tell you in preacher school to never do what I'm about to do. But I've found that people in preacher school actually never pastored churches for long. And uh, while they know much, and I'm, 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 not, I'm not against seminary and all of that, and I'm all for getting education. It's just sometimes, you know, when they taught me to preach in a class I took on biblical preaching, they said things like, make sure you put in pithy little statements like a friend in need is a friend indeed. When I read that, I threw the book across my, my office that I was in. I thought, that ain't going to set anybody free. Here, raise your hands. A friend in need is a friend. Oh, now I don't think I don't think you're going to get set free from a pithy little statement. I do think you get set free from God's word being preached, unadulterated, pure, and and anointed by the power of God. So you know, th- this week there was, um, and I really hope you're online, honestly, because I hope this helps you. This week we had somebody fillet us on Facebook, and you know. You just get blocked. So what was sad was that an opportunity to get set free presented, and yet sometimes we don't see things accurately, and I'm certainly not down on that person. I know the devil's a liar, and we have compassion and mercy. But, you know, if if you're going to beat the church up, beat the pastor up, I mean, you should probably call him first, try to work it out. Anyway... We've lovingly blocked them so they don't defile a whole bunch of other people. And it's amazing how they just sort of group together and all the little angry, hurting folks just get together and agree. And, and anyway, so they can go talk to each other now, I guess. But what's, what's astounding to me, and, I, and I've grieved over it, I've wept over it, and I've prayed. What's astounding to me, Minister David, is that you can be in a place like this with so much deliverance and power healing and freedom and and I mean it is amazing I, I just in this room right now we could have people stand up and testify about how they were broken and how God healed them and how they had this disease and they got set free and how they were in torment and turmoil and how they were addicted and afflicted and how God intervened and he healed their broken heart and he healed their broken minds and he healed their broken body it's the gospel it's the good news but what's astounding to me What's amazing to me is even in the midst of so much testimony and the gospel of the kingdom, we're not the perfect church. You'll never find one. And if you do, don't go because you'll ruin it. We've got issues. Don't be tripping. God's still working on me. And I I hope he's still working on you. We endeavor to be a a loving church and we've got our challenges and we... We endeavor to get more and more like Jesus. Is there anybody else? You understand what I'm saying? But what's terrifying to me is the paradox that you can be in a place where there's so much freedom and so much deliverance and still stay 
abound. That, to me, is astounding. And in John chapter 5, you, you, you see something exactly like that, this pool of Bethesda. How many of you ever heard of that? We'll read it here in a moment. What's, what's unique is in Scripture, there's no pools in, in Jerusalem that are natural. It's all brought in by aqueducts. They're all... Um, they're all man-made, which is interesting. I had a, um, a prophetic friend of mine said this to me. There's this word, prophet said to me, the difference between kings and the average church is that the average church is a cistern. So when the rain of revival comes, there's water. But if it doesn't rain, there's no water. Kings is like the pool of Siloam. He told me that we have punched through and dug a well that'll never run dry if we continue to stay connected to the source. You understand the difference between a well and a cistern, right? So you can go and dig it. You can dig, dig a hole out in your yard and maybe line it with plastic, and then it rains, and then it fills up. That's not a well. That's a cistern. So What's amazing to me is that God in the middle of your own personal hell can bring a pool. He brings pools in the wilderness. He, bring, he brings streams in the desert. That no matter what you're going through, if you learn to connect rightly, you can release the power of God, the power of worship. You can release the power of his spirit to bring refreshing to you, your family, no matter what's happening, wherever you are, all the days of your life. My wife and I were weeping on the front as I was being reminded once again by the spirit that there's not one thing that we will personally go through as a church, as a couple, not one thing, not death, not pestilence, not global pandemic or scamdemic. There's not one thing that we'll go through that we won't make it through. So what if it kills you? Bonus. What do you mean? I mean, you go straight to heaven, it's over. Some of you are afraid. You're terrified. Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. God, God is absolutely on the throne. But you don't want to be like this man. And um, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and read this. this. I want to be a congregation, as my prophet friend said. I want to be a congregation like that. I don't want to be a cistern. And I'm glad for God pouring out his spirit over a region. But there's something that's happened here that my prophet friend spoke about and I've heard over and over through different guests that come. We have dug a well. That well has been dug through prayer. That well has been dug through ongoing sacrifice by a group of people who believe that God is pouring out his spirit and that he summoned us, he called us to be alive at this time right here in this place to bring the kingdom of God, to see the blind see, the, the, the lame walk, the, the mute to speak the deaf to hear, to see the kingdom of God put on display, that drug addicts would put their stuff up and get healed and get set free, that alcoholics would get rid of their alcohol and be filled and healed and touched from every hurtful, painful thing that ever happened, and all the, all the atrocities that would take place inside a home or the human heart that God could set you free from as he's done for me and done for countless thousands of others. That's why we're here. We're here to see a great revival ensue. 
to contend and to fight for. And you know, I found that the fight's never over. I took a vacation recently. I don't, I don't know, it was like the first, first few days of vacation. I didn't really, I didn't, don't judge me, okay? I didn't really get up and have my morning time of prayer, you know? And after like, some of you don't come at all or don't have it either. You, know, you don't have to come here to have morning time of prayer, but you gotta have a time with God and some of you don't. So you're like, you wanna have breakthrough, but you're not willing to connect with the one that'll give it to you. So, Anyway, I realized <laughs> we're getting a little, getting a little, uh, getting a little dull. Oh yeah, I go wait, wait. What am I doing? What am I doing? You know, you can you, know, you can sleep so much and still be tired. How many of you know that if you're too tired to get up to pray to see breakthrough, then you know, I mean, you're too tired not to. Does that make sense? All right, here we go. John five with a six point font in my 1984 NIV version. Ready? Let's all stand, shall we? Let's do it. Let's read 15 verses, and then I'm going to get after it. Here we go. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Jews. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. It's like these porches going all around it. Verse 3. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him. Come on, tell somebody say, Jesus sees me. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in that condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to be made well? Let's stop. Father, move in power. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So, I mean, here's this, here's this pool, the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda, which house of mercy is what that means. Here's this pool, and all around it are these porches, and people would come and drop off their invalid relatives, and, and you, you can go on and read the rest, which we, we will get to. At a certain time, an angel would come and stir the waters. Now, it's the moment the waters was, was stirring. If you could get in at first, you'd get healed. And so here's this man, 38 years. That's a fairly long time, 38 years. And, and so Jesus comes, and he sees the guy, and he says, so, so here's the guy, and he says, hey, uh, what's the deal with that guy? Oh, he's been there a long time. How long? Oh, like 38 years, I think. Whoa. So Jesus has talked to somebody. Somebody tells him, and he comes over, and he asks him, do you want to be well? Now, that to me is a profound question because you would think the answer is absolutely emphatically yes. Um, I am sitting here waiting for the stirring. But Jesus knows all things. And he's, he knows and, and can discern the heart. And he, he, but he's God. So, so Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? See, by asking that, he's not sure. 
I mean, he knows everything, but he's, he's asking the man. He's eliciting faith from him. Like, you've been here a long time, Jack. Do you want to be made well? Listen to what he says. Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one. I think the new King James says, I have no man. I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred. Oh, you don't have anybody. Before, before you start getting all kind of compassion, it's not man that's going to deliver you to begin with. And I think, I think maybe the invalid of 38 years is sitting there seeing strapping Jesus. You know what strapping means? Yoked. You know what that means? He was, a, he was a carpenter. I think he had the ability to pick up the invalid pretty easily. So I think, I, think that, I think that he's sitting there and he looks up and Jesus and says, man, that guy's yoked. Get some biceps. Hey, you want to be? Yeah, maybe you could carry me. What do you think? See, he didn't realize that the one he's talking to is actually the one who dispatched angels, if I could say it that way. He didn't realize he's talking to God. He, he doesn't realize, I have no man. In fact, I'm taking applications. Would you help me maybe? Would you help me? I have no man, and the man is standing there. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes ahead of me. You know, I have, I've been pastoring a long time, and I, I've seen so many people make so many excuses for why they're not free. And God knows I made a lot of excuses myself too early on in my walk. I'm going to tell you something. All right, I'm going to tell you a story. I, I, was, uh, I was part of a mandated discipleship group. And um, I was given a counselor, my counselor at this, this teen challenge is what it was. And this counselor was from Waxahachie, Texas. I got that right? Is that how you say that? Waxahachie? Waxahachie. And, uh, and he, I remember he wore a pair of ropers every day of his life, which I, oh, hi, Pastor Karen, please. Just come, we're so glad you've come to join us tonight. And he wore ropers, and he had a, he had a, he came from that smaller Texas state, you know. You know where Waxahachie is? Let's pray for our brother. Amen. <laughs> Father, you help him right now. So he was a hard worker, and his name was David, David Hull. Terry Hull is his brother. And so he was assigned to me as my counselor. Now, let me just tell you how much I hated that. I was from New York. I'd lived in the city for a while. And I, I didn't want Mr. Waxahachie, you know what I mean? Like, take your cute little boots and your hard-working attitude and just take your hick self on out of here. Come on, I wasn't exactly as sanctified as I am right now. I was saved. I knew Jesus. And I, I just said, I tried to talk with him, and he had that accent, and he always had a piece of straw. And I just hate, I just, I didn't like it. I was prejudiced against Texans, I guess you could say. I went, to the, I went to the head of the program, and I said, okay, this is not going to work. So 
it's not going to work. He said, well, why not? I said, because he doesn't know anything about what I've been through. And, and he's from Texas, and, and I'm from New York City. And we have nothing in common. He's not going to be able to help me. He said, well, let me talk with him. And so they, they talked. And they brought, me, they brought us both into the office. And he said, here's what we're going to do, Daniel. Uh, over the next five, six weeks, I think it is. In the next six weeks, you're going to get up at five in the morning. And you and Brother Texas are going to go pray for an hour every morning at five in the morning. I just thought. I mean, I, it, it was cruel and unusual punishment. I need, I need deliverance. I need healing. I don't need Mr. Texas. I need someone else. I need another counselor, not him. Give me someone who can relate to me seriously. Well, we, he would come and get me. Sure enough, 10 minutes to five. Hey, Daniel, are you ready to go? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's 4.50, man. <laughs> right? Does anybody know he's always on time early? We go out and we pray. We did this for weeks. All I it wasn't even through the first week. We're at the end of the first week, and the power of God fell on us in prayer. I am weeping, getting touched by God, and he's weeping, and we became best friends. And we continued that prayer pattern through the time that I was there. And His brother's now up here, and he's come to visit us all these years later, some 20-something, 20 25 years later, he's come to visit us here at the church, and and he's a, he's a great man. In my heart, I needed a man. I need the right one, though, and he's the wrong one. That's Waxahachie Hick, redneck. How many of you know the difference between a redneck and a hick? Rednecks tithe, hicks don't. That's the difference. Okay. So he was a redneck, and I, I just couldn't relate to him. But when the power of God came, you see, so many people think if I just had the right church, if I just had the right pastor, if I just had the right life group leader, if I just had the, the right book, if I just went to the right seminar, if I just, if I just, if I just, if I just, and I could be healed from my lameness, I'm gonna tell you Jesus loves you and he's near as the words in your mouth and he will touch you and help you. It's not a man that can set you free. Man can't bring about what God brings about. And this guy's all hooked on, on man. I don't have a man. I've heard ladies say that. I just need a man. No, you don't. However, it is not good for a man to be alone. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. So here's this, this invalid by the pool of miracles with the miracle worker standing next to him. You know what's, the only thing worse than going to a dead church, I've said this before, I've preached from this text multiple times, you know the only thing wrong, worse than going to a dead church? You know what I mean by dead? I mean, there's people aren't getting saved and the word's not preached. It's like um, Encyclopedia Britannica and, you know, it's a 15-minute service and you go home twice as dead as when you got there and you just fulfill a religious obligation. You never get convicted and you never repent and you just, you know, it's just sort of a... Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you don't know because you got saved here. You don't know anything else but this. I'm going to tell you, the only thing worse than going to a dead church is going to one that actually has fire and power and remain unchanged. That would be worse than going to a dead church. Why is that? Because it, it insulates you from 
from the truth, from a real revelation, from transformation, when you don't let down your guard and you don't really enter on in and you don't, you know, <laughs> this text is so profound. It, it, it really is. It's, it's sad when, when there's churches filled with apostolic power and then you don't get free at that place. And I've thought about that this week. There are forces at work to, to really rob from you. So I'm going to give you uh, a few lessons here from this text. The first one is that th this lame man, he, he didn't understand that the king of kings is there. He had an idea of how it was going to happen. Now, I've done this. I, I've done this. It's like it's um, uh, Naaman had an idea. Naaman had an idea. I'm going to go to the prophet. It's, it's Naaman. And then the prophet's going to come out and say, yay. And then he would be healed of his leprosy. So he has this idea. He has a, an idea in his mind. This is how the Lord's going to heal me. I'm going to come to the front. Pastor Daniel's going to prophesy over me. When he prophesies over me, bam, that's it. I'm going to get healed. Okay, but I never come and I never prophesy over you. And so it's like, what's the deal? Naaman got all offended. Some of, you, some of you have an idea of how it's going to happen. I would encourage you greatly to let go of your idea of how you think it's going to happen and that you actually draw close to the one that makes it happen. And then, because he might want to set you free in the quiet time you never have. He might want to set you free when you're reading the word that you don't read. He might want to set you free when you're in your, you're driving on the way to Anchorage and you're worshiping instead of listening to talk news radio the whole time. He might want to set you free through, through your child praying for you in the prayer time that you have right before they go to sleep that you used to do, but now you don't do that anymore. He might want to set you free in a myriad of other ways but in your mind, you think, it's going to happen like this. So God spoke to me. It's going to happen like that. So you have no, no other. This guy had a construct problem. I mean, the king of kings is standing there. And he's like, if he could just carry me in. God, I hope the water stirs right now because this guy's strapping. He could help me. I have no man. And he kind of looked at the water. And Jesus is right there to heal him. That's the number one, number one lesson tonight. Quit putting God in the box of how he's going to set you free or save your family. Quit putting God in the box of how he's going to release the miracle of the provision, the miracles of the healing, the miracles of deliverance. And just trust him that he is a miracle worker. Trust that he's a deliverer. Trust that he's a strong tower. He was locked into a model. And, the, and we've seen that in, in churches too. I've told this story before, but two praying grandmas in Northern California prayed that God would pour out his spirit on their church. It's a true story. God would pour out his spirit on that church. And they prayed and they prayed and they prayed for years. And the power of God hit the church one day. People praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, falling out everywhere, laughing, joy, unspeakable. The pastor's knocked out, and the assistant pastor has to take over, and this goes on week after week, and they stop going to church, and they stay home. 
have a connect department. That's uh, people that go to follow up to make sure everybody's okay when they stop coming to church. And, uh, and they, they follow up with the two grandmas, and they're like, ah, we're not going to that church anymore. Well, you've been praying for a revival. We've got a revival. We don't want that kind of revival. So what kind of revival do you want? I mean, we have like repentance. Um, uh, um, people are getting saved. Uh, uh, they're getting healed. Uh, marriages are being put back together. Well, what, what did you have in mind? All that tongue stuff. Can, can you imagine, can you imagine, um, um, let's say Jerry and Tammy, let's say that Tammy's the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and Jerry, Jerry, you're the Lord, okay? <laughs> don't, don't let this get to you. Can you imagine, can you imagine if I said, hey, uh, let's have dinner. W- would you come, but don't bring your wife. You want a, a baptism of fire, but I don't want tongues, and I don't want to lift my hands either. I remember when I first came into our church years ago, I did not want to lift my hands. It was weird. I mean, I walked into a sea of tongues. I was like, okay, freaks everywhere. It was 1992. It was the back of Connie Street. I walked in the back of that church. It was a sea of people roaring in the spirit. It, I mean, it was like shaking the building. And so my immediate fleshly thought was, what a bunch of, I didn't even get to get the word freak out. I didn't get to get that out because then I felt like, whoa, I knew God's presence a little bit and it was a hundred times what I was, have ever experienced before. I thought, oh my gosh. And they're all raising their hands and I thought, ah, I think, my hands started going up. Man, when I lifted my hands, I didn't want to lift my hands because I mean, there's weird people lift their hands. But when I lifted my hands, the fire of the Holy Spirit hit me, went right into an altar call, Dr. Morocco from the front. If you've got generational curses and you want to be set free, come to the front. I was in a dead sprint. I didn't even get to think about it. My spirit was running to the front. Oh, you're definitely demonized. You need to get to the front. I'm like, ah, I run to the front. I'm four rows back. And I remember him praying and I remember him looking at me and he reaches across and that giant hand that just like covered, I think it went from ear to ear and something hit me and I hit the ground. I thought, this is different. It's a different kind of church. The lame man had to have the pool stir when the one who stirred the pool or sent the angels to do it was there. You gotta learn to touch the hem of his garment yourself. You gotta learn to hear his voice yourself. And if you don't, you won't make it in the next seasons that are just ahead. You'll get offended at people. You'll get offended. Oh, I can't believe they let, you know, I can't believe, I can't believe, oh, I'm just reject. Grow up. Oh, are you talking to me? Oh, yes. You. Love you. Serve God. Man will always fail you. I told somebody not long ago, I said, you know, you know something that will never hurt you. I thought, on purpose. <laughs> That's good news. You want to stay away from people that hurt you on purpose. Boundaries. You got to learn to be a self-feeder. You got to learn to get a word from the Lord yourself and not be stayed st- stuck in this, this um, stuck in this framework. Let me give you another one. 
I think the guy had a faith problem. First of all, he didn't even discern that the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is standing right next to him. Faith. Many are trying to reduce God to the level of your faith Make things happen the way that you want it to happen. That, that's not how it happens. It happens, just trust him. Trust his leadership. Trust his leadership. He said, I do. Well, you're going to be tested with that. I think the man had a comfort problem. That is uh, certainly highlighted here tonight. Are you, are you talking to me? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So where do, where do you get that? Is it? unusually quiet in here tonight? Look at verse, so I have no man. Look at verse 8. And Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. You know, I've found that people that stay in bondage have a mat. They have something that they have something they just want to hold on to. It's a it's a comfort thing. It's just I can't even mess with my Bible that way because I have hugged my Bible that way. You know what I'm talking about? And they just want to hold on to that. It's the thing that it's like they're it's their binky, it's their blankie. You, you know what I'm talking about? A blankie. Some of you need to throw away your mat. What is that? Smoking pot, maybe? Oh, did I just step in something? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's your porn problem. Children's church is upstairs. It's not here. Maybe it's, your, maybe it's the way that you try to control people with your anger, manipulate. And I, I, I don't know, what is your mat? He had something that he was so attached to that he didn't want to let go of, and he had his mat. Let go of your mat. Come on, somebody say, I'm letting go of my mat tonight. It's things that make us comfortable. Look at verse 8. Again, pick up your mat and walk at once. The man was cured, picked up his mat, and he walked. And here they are, verse 10, the, the, the Sabbath police. On the day that it took place, it was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the one who had been healed, it's the Sabbath. Now, you know that they had seen him 38 years. And on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. But here's a guy, he's carrying his mat. He's no longer crippled. He's totally healed. And they're like, hey, you're not supposed to be carrying anything on the Sabbath. You know, Jesus knew if that he was going to get healed, he's going to have to break with dead, pharisaical religiosity. And I'm going to tell you something if you don't break from dead pharisaical religiosity as a Christian, you'll never enter into the fullness of God's power and really get healed. What does that mean? You've got to let the Lord lead you. Some of you have gotten religious. And I'm going to tell you something. That, that spirit wants to crawl in here. 
Oh, not here, not at King's. Oh, yes, we'd love to stomp up our well. The bondage of a religious spirit. Some people have a control problem. That's what they had. They had a control problem. For him to pick up his mat and walk on the Sabbath day was to come against everything that was in the culture all around him. And if you're going to walk in freedom and power and authority and make a difference in this culture, you're going to have people that don't like you on Facebook. You're going to have people that just aren't down for what you're doing. You're going to be ostracized. You'll be lambasted. You'll have people that will just really come against you. I, I, I said to Pastor Karen, we, we were talking that, you know, in, in church and in revival, you have to have very thick skin and a tender heart. That's the trick. The trick is thick skin to, to those that want to criticize and hurt you and yet be open to even, even correction coming from a donkey. You have to be open to even a fool who would just tear into you and then maybe the Lord's saying something in the midst of that and you have to eat the meat and flush the rest. And you have to have, you have, to have thick skin and a tender heart. That is tricky. That's taken some work, right? My Karen says, we're still working on it. Amen. Because then, the, you know, you get, you get, you get riddled. Da, 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 da. And then, you know, there you are bleeding, and you're like, oh, Lord, where's my gun? Wait, let me get, let me get my M16, hold on a second, in the spirit. Oh, yeah? Oh, I've done that. I know none of you have, because you're all like holy water walkers. I've done it. I've, I've been ripped by someone and ripped them right back. And then realized, man, that didn't do anything. A soft word turns away wrath. And, and uh, we're not supposed to be a people. We're supposed to turn the other cheek. You're supposed to go an extra mile. You're supposed to love people. Jesus, should we call down fire? They're from Waxahaxie, I think, when those disciples. Should we call down fire, Lord? He says, you know not. You know what spirit you're up. Let's just crisp them right now. I think the man knew that if he picked up his mat and he walked, he was going to get arrested by the religious control freaks. When God said, pick up your mat, he was breaking him free from years of dead religion. I've had people come in here and they've said to me, and I've joked about it, but it's true. They said, I can't come to here. It's way too much, way, way too happy here. It's not for me. I mean, like, did, I wanted to say, I almost started saying, I wanted to like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I started to say sorry. I'm like, well, I'm not, well, I'm not what's the, what, do you, what do you want us to be, depressed? We were headed to hell. We were broken. We were, we were destitute. We were lame. We were halt. We were withered. We were all like the man around this pool, and Jesus came, and he set us free. And I'm going to tell you, it brings joy unspeakable and full of glory. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, religious people don't like that. Can you just behave yourself? Do you have to get so excited? Do you have to lift your hands? Oh, you're one of those Christians. Christian means Christ-like. Lifting your hands is in... in it's, it's a lifting of hands. It's yada. It's an expression of worship. It's an expression of surrender. 
Don't worry about the Sabbath, please. What has enfeebled you in your philosophy and your cultural, ethnic, political stand that makes you bound? Ask God to show you. Are you willing to set yourself free from that? I've had people leave the church because Pastor Karen, we call her pastor. And I've got other pastors and ministers. I'm women in ministry. Oh, no, I'm kind of, well, you can go stay in your dead thing if you want to. I'm not, we're not changing for you. I'm against that. Well, look at verse 12. You guys are tough tonight. You're a hard crowd tonight. So um, verse 11, and he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up. He's like, it's not my fault. I'm carrying my mat because I got, I don't know where he went. It's it's that guy. I thought he was going to bring me down when it stirred, but didn't stir. And then he just spoke to me and I got healed. Told me to carry my mat. What do you want from me? I'm healed. I'm 38. Did you see me? I've been there 30. Look at this. Look what I got. I'm, I, was, I was an invalid, and now I'm... It's like, I know I'm in trouble, but I really don't care because I can walk. And so look at verse... So pick up your mat and walk. He told me to pick up my mat and walk, and now you guys are arresting me. So they asked him... Who is this fellow? Look at verse 12. Who told you to pick up and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who he was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Watch this now. Later, Jesus found him at the temple. Okay, so this is pregnant with revelation right here. Okay, watch this now. Watch. Where did he find him? Where did you find him? You look, come on, look at the Bible. Look at the, come on, look at your notes. Look at your, I mean, uh, look at the screen. Where did he find him? At the temple. Homeboy, the mat carrier, is in the temple for the very first time in his whole life. He's in church. He's in the temple. Because if you were an invalid, you couldn't go in. So here he is for the first time. He's in the temple. And Jesus comes up to him. Verse 14, and he says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. Okay, so so there's a couple things here. One, how much sin can you do after you got your legs back? I mean, I think he's just walking around the temple like, Look at that. Wow. Amazing. Look at, yes. I think he's walking around the temple like, Shalom, Shalom. I think he's lost his mind in worship. And then Jesus comes up to him and says, Hey. He's like, It's you. And he says, Hey, you better quit sinning. How much sin do you think he could actually do? You know what I think the sin was? He never actually found out who healed him. 
And when they asked him who he was, he said he had no idea. You know, some of you have been set free, but you don't grow in your discipleship. Some of you have been delivered, but you don't really know the, the fundamental truths. You don't really have a foundation. You just come and hope your hair stands on end for another service, and I pray it does too. But don't stop there. Continue to grow. Get involved. Be on a team. Start serving. He's telling him, look, if you don't, if you don't quit sinning, something worse is going to come. So what sin is he doing? I think he's not witnessing. You could argue that. I mean, what's he doing now that he's walking? He's like checking out all the girls. You think he's doing that in temple? One person thinks no. I, you know, I think it's possible. That was a faith-filled person that said, no, whoever that was, God bless you. It ties sin to sickness, infirmity, and disease. Oh, praise break for a second. Come on, somebody say, whoa. Do you mean that I could actually have opened up a door to infirmity through sin? Well, yeah, that's what it says. And if it was just there, then maybe you could dismiss it. But it's not just there. It's everywhere, Old Testament and New. Sin definitely opens a door to the devourer for certain. So some of you are going through things and you're wondering why you're so hurting and so broken. Could it be that you have things in your life that need to go? Forget it, I'm going over here. Could it be, could it be, could it be you have things in your life that... Quit sinning. Everybody say, quit sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus. So he said, I guess I better start witnessing then. So, I so long for people to be set free. And I, I think back in my life, um, how I held on to things. I held on to mats. I had, you understand, you understand what I mean, Matt. I'm tying it back to the scripture. I had things that I didn't want to let go of. There was my, my pet thing that I held on to, my, my binky, my blankie, my security blanket. I, I held on to certain things. And it was certainly a process for me Certain things were just blasted off and I got just delivered instantaneously. Other things I held on to or fiddled with when the Lord was trying to really set me on fire and heal me. I think back over the 20 plus years of my life and I look at countless hundreds and, and I mean hundreds and hundreds of other people and I see the same thing. I see how God wants to bring us to a place. Keys, please. Wants to bring us to a place that... that that we know not of. We don't even know the level of freedom and power he wants to bring. We, we don't have a framework. The joy we experience in, in the Lord. I mean, it's not uncommon to, for us to just start laughing in the truck on the way to church. <laughs> we're just, I mean, it happens every week, I think. We're driving and I'm like, I feel God's power on me. I'm driving. My beautiful wife's next to me, and I'm like, we're going to bring the kingdom, my God. And I'll start laughing. And she's like, you all right? I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I had no idea that God had all of that. I just wanted, like, I just wanted them to help me get the next paycheck. 
Lift your hands. You might have come in here with a mat tonight. You might have come in here broken, lame, halt, and withered. Oh, there's not a pool that's going to stir. But the King of Kings is here. Not a man, the man. And if you'd be willing to let go of the thing that you've, that you've used to comfort yourself, listen, if you have something in your life that you comfort yourself with, it could be drugs, it could be sex, it could be rock and roll, it could be anything. Anything aside from the Lord, that would be an idol. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. It's mine too. He loves you so much that he refuses to leave you that way and loves you so much that he'll change you to make you be more like him. I'm saddened that we had to block that we have to block people from time to time because now you can only watch us on YouTube. But I hope you're on. And for whatever failings and for all those that we've heard, know for certain before God. And as God is my witness, it was unintentional. And still yet, I am deeply saddened and sorry you've been wounded. And for our shortcomings and our humanity, I ask you, please forgive us. Now report to God and quit letting a church or a people be the excuse for why you stay in bondage and you stay bound and you stay addicted or you stay broken or you stay fractured because the one who healed this fraction, fractured young man and made me whole is able to heal you. He's able to set you free. It's so easy to point at a church or a person. You say, Pastor, I think I know who you're talking about. Good, call them and then tell them to go watch YouTube. Maybe they'll get set free. for unorthodox. Just happened like two days ago. And I'm sure there's others. We don't want to hurt people. We want to help people. We want to help people. And sometimes we have things. I, I, I did it today. I ran a little, a little soul pattern today that I had to repent for. To my wife, you know. just Sometimes I just get so amped and then I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm brash. You know, like, I know none of you have any issues at all. I'm abrupt and insensitive, and it's like my agenda, my clock is the clock. It's the thing. It's Pastor Daniel. <laughs> I don't pull that card, but, but, but I act like it. And, I, and Karen's like, you know, you're causing upset right now. I'm not talking about 20 years ago. I'm not, this, is, this is earlier today. <laughs> Come on, lift your hands. I don't want to be like that. 
I'm changing. I repented already. I don't want to be like that. Okay, we're picking on me. What about you? What's your issue? What's your mat? What's the, what's the thing that you do? What, what's your little soul pattern? What, what are the things that you're doing? Some of it's totally destroying your life. The only thing worse than going to a dead church is going to one like this and not getting changed. And there's many. Oh, I'm not saying we've apprehended it, but forgetting that which lies behind, we press on to the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Going to go deeper. We might be at the Nazareth level, which is like ankle deep. Hallelujah. Why don't you just talk to the Lord all across this place? If you have a mat that you need to let go of, why don't you let go of it? Holy Spirit. Take up your mat and walk. Hallelujah. It's 8.35. I've deleted Netflix. you need healing tonight, right where you are, you want healing in your physical body, in your emotions, you need healing in your mind, stand right where you are. Just stand. Won't you lift your hands to heaven all across this place? I'll tell you the greatest way I know to get healed, just be submersed in God. Surround your, cut all ties with hell. Cut all ties with every mat. Cut all ties with dead pharisaical religion. And submerse yourself in the truth. Submerse yourself in the word. Submerse yourself in worship. Lord, right now I pray, release your healing power in the name of Jesus. Why don't you put your hands together for God? All right. Lord, bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.